Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of Hey Man, It's Okay. You got me, one of your hosts, Sky Bridges, and this is my other amazing host, Ryan Heapy. Hey, guys. How are we doing today? How are you doing, Sky? Doing good. Good to see you. Good. Yeah, me too. Good to see you too. So today, I was hoping to talk about this video that I stumbled upon by this YouTuber named Shoe on Head. Uh, kind of a funny username she's got going on there. She has actually some really great, well-produced videos. She's really funny. But her most recent video kind of gone a little viral. I actually found it through this news YouTube podcast show that I listened to called Breaking Points. I think it's actually one of the best political just news shows out there. There's a great commentator on the left and a great commentator on the right. And they really kind of agree almost everything, really. They found this video and they've been talking about the many issues that men are struggling with today. So in this video by Shoe on Head, she spends anywhere from like, I think it was about 20 to 30 minutes talking about the different issues that men are struggling with, especially loneliness, difficulty finding friends, difficulties in finding partners, and how the, the political left and the political right are kind of trying to take advantage in some ways of capturing those demographics, maybe for their own self-interest. But at the same time, I think these issues are totally valid. My practice is primarily made up of men, most of them very successful, but a lot of them struggling with many of these issues. Even some of the successful guys don't have a ton of friends, maybe you know, are struggling to find a good relationship. Yeah, so I'd like to kind of touch on some of these things, and it's sort of in my wheelhouse as far as what I talk to my clients with almost on a daily basis. Maybe before I go on, I don't know, Sky, what did you think about the video? It's really, it's a big topic. And I feel like, you know, it's a big conversation right now on what is masculinity versus toxic masculinity versus, you know, what's normal, what's not, how far is too far to one side or the other? Because I know one of the things she brought out is, you know, it's either like toxic men or, you know, you go all the way to the top where it's like, oh, you have to always share your feelings, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but it was such a wide variety of understanding and a wide variety of of opinions on things. We saw her opinion versus the opinions she saw on Twitter. There's just so much to really get into with this video and kind of discuss and go through. But yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think masculinity in and of itself right now is you know really something that's having to be reexamined, explored. And I think especially the younger generations are struggling to kind of figure out what that looks like. There's this idea out there that men have to be everything all at the same time all at once. And I heard this 666 rule, I think, from, from a client the other day. <laughs> okay. That was something like men have to have be making six figures, have a six pack, and be six feet tall or something like that for, you know, for okay. a woman to find them attractive. That in and of itself eliminates quite a few people from the oh, dating yeah. market. Oh yeah. Right. And Easily. you know, and there's all these new terms that I'm hearing more and more incels, red pilling. I heard the other day a black pill. Are you familiar with I'm black not, pilling? Not black pill, no. That's I believe somebody who kind of looks at society and where it's at and just wants to exit, basically. Just you know, almost no longer participate. And and this okay. is something we saw in the video. Well, I guess the definition of is the hikikomori, which yes. is these men, and I guess there's a million and a half out there now 
that have really kind of just become recluse. Is that, I don't know if that's. The, I think the word she uses right is hermits. Word. Hermits is a much better word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At least the only participation they have in with society is primarily through video games or yeah. YouTube yeah. or online. Yeah. Interactions. I think that's to me, that would be hard because I'm a very social person and kind of isolating myself away, but it's so easy to do these days with, you know, you can order food from anywhere you want on any app you want. You can order all your, your groceries to your house. You can order all of your things you need to your house. Like there's really no need to go out and about anymore if that's what you choose to do. Yeah, it's definitely easier to stay home more than ever. And, and I think you know, after COVID, that really uh, almost solidified, I, I guess, participating in society with just through your phone, right? Yeah, made it easy. I mean, look how much Amazon Fresh grew. Look how much Amazon just grew itself and all these like Uber Eats and, and you know, they all expanded to serve food from everywhere. It's absolutely insane. And I think that maybe we're making it too easy to seclude yourself but maybe that's what people like to do. I think the more comfortable we can make our lives, the more prone we are to adapting to that, right? It's much easier to get fast food than to have to hunt and, hunt and gather. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that people who isolate themselves, though, they kind of lose that social ability and they lose that ability to be able to talk with people. In fact, one of the things that she talked about for these hikikomori, I think you said, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. The Hikikomori yeah. was these videos that they did of Japanese women who would just stare at the camera so that they could get used to human eye contact again. Yeah. Not only is it kind of creepy, but just sad, right? It's incredibly sad that people aren't having the same amount of contact with one another that we used to. Some of the things that I kind of jotted down wanting to talk about some of these issues that men are facing is, you know, and I've seen this article a couple of times that men have less friends than ever before. Mm -hmm. I think something like one in five have no close friendships. That's probably the same demographic of the men that I work with is maybe their conversation with me might be the only kind of relationship they really have in their life. I believe it's harder for men to be a provider today. There's a four times higher suicide rate, uh, men versus women. 70% of the homeless are men, twice as high drug and alcohol abuse rates. Men aren't going to colleges at the same rates that they used to. They're not making kind of the same amount of money that they used to. And I think at the same time, women's standards, I believe in some ways, are kind of maybe higher than ever. And so there, maybe there's a greater demand as well for men to. And I think the other thing that was brought up in the video is kind of some of the harm maybe that dating apps have really uh, brought about, or at least some of the ways that it's kind of broken ways that we used to relate with one another or, or find one another. And I've heard a statistic out there that, you know, something like 10 to 20% of the men on dating apps get about 80 to 90% of the attention from oh, women, geez. you know, leaving, you know, the, the rest of that 80% of men fairly lonely and, and having a really hard time finding a relationship. So they're, I think they're really startling issues and I think they're going to have very long-term effects going forward. And I don't know that there's great answers out there in addressing some of these things. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think this is an important conversation to have because there's a plus and minus to every side. How do we reincorporate these people and make them feel less lonely, especially after, let's be honest, after a post COVID world. 
because we were told to stay inside and it kind of put some trauma and some fear into us. And maybe men are lonelier, especially now than ever before, which is pretty crazy. I know I watched another video that was talking about the male friendship recession. I know Shoes on Head touched on this in her video, but I actually looked up another video on friendship recession and it grew from in 1990, it said 3% of men felt like they had no close male friends. 15% last year, they said, had no close friends. So it it more than tripled, which has got to say something. Because, I mean, personally, I can think of, you know, I have several close male friends. Actually, I just texted a bunch of them this afternoon. There's so many different things changing right now about you know, what is a man and do you need to be lonely and how do you cope in this world and what does the world expect of you? And it kind of just feels like this, this succession of stuff that is, could get progressively worse if we don't take care of it and change it. What do you think it means to be a man? I don't want to put you on the spot here. That's a good question because it's something that we kind of all have to talk about at some point, what we think a man is. Typically, you know, the the man is going to be, you know, the person who provides and the person who takes care of the family and they're this like stoic individual, but I don't think that that's fair. I think I think a man is somebody who takes care of his family, takes care of his financial responsibilities and somebody who is grown up enough to be able to make positive decisions, especially and someone who knows how to take care of not just their physical health, but someone who knows how to take care of their mental health. It's so important to show those emotions and to teach the younger generation that it's okay to show those emotions. And I think that's kind of what'll help bring us more together if more and more viewed manliness that way. How about how about you? I want to know what what's your definition of being a man? Yeah, you know, I've been throwing around this I kind of crazy idea of branding myself as as the alpha therapist, right? Sort sort of tongue in cheek. And you know, in doing that, I've been asking a lot of people kind of what they what comes up for them when they hear the term alpha male patriarchy. And and I've gotten a wide variety of of answers. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. Sure. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've had some people feel almost instantly traumatized by the word alpha male. And actually from some of maybe the most alpha men that I might know, because they have been traumatized by other men who have been in incredibly abusive, harmful, manipulative. And so I've also gotten on the other side, you know, that I, I asked this 17 year old who at my complex and in, in the pool. And, uh, you know, I was just like, hey, man, what do you, what would, what's your definition of an alpha male? And he said something like someone who leads, someone who leads his family is a good husband, a good father, and also emotionally mature. And then I actually looked, I was watching some YouTube videos from this evolutionary biologist and his example or his definition was something sort of the same. And, you know, he studies kind of chimpanzees. And there's actually this great show called Chimp Empire out right now that you really kind of shows shows how the alpha male leads his tribe. And a lot of it is having empathy and understanding the rest of the community and knowing kind of what needs to be done to protect that community. So I guess that was kind of a long answer for, you know, how I would define being a man is, you know, I think someone that, like you said, leads, provides, protects, is also empathetic, also 
emotionally intelligent is a good partner, is a good husband, a good father, a good son. Yeah, I think I, th- I think all of those things. A good friend uh, as well. Yeah, I think someone who has purpose also. I think that's important to be driven in many ways. I think without purpose, we can often end up lost. I think that's one of the biggest problems facing men today is their overall lack of purpose and or finding that purpose. I agree with that. Yeah. In a post-Andrew Tate world, you can't talk about manliness without really bringing him up and talking about him a little bit. And one of the things that I think I, I remember from the video is they talked about how he's convincing young men to go way over to the right because the right is talking to men Whereas something she brought up in the video was the left is just saying, figure it out. And they're just, and all these boys are like going to one side or the other, primarily more towards the Andrew Tate view of people. Now he has some things that I think are valuable. He says a man, when he's born, doesn't have value. He has to find it and prove it himself. And I think that that's true. We have to prove ourselves a little bit more, but I think if we can be consistent and show ourselves, you know, strong and tough and being able to take care of our family Well, at the same time, being vulnerable when we need to be vulnerable and being open when we need to be open, I think we can find a good balance there to show ourselves as a man who is emotionally mature. Yeah, I I was watching another reaction video to the the shoe on head video uh, by this guy, Asmund Gold, who I think is uh, more like a Twitch streamer uh, than anything else. And one of my other colleagues uh, was sharing it with me. And it was interesting, his takes on a lot of the positives he saw in secluding oneself from society and sort of having empathy for those who so withdrawn. And his reaction video, I think, almost had a million views. So there's a lot of people watching that he's got an influential voice. And he had said something that like he couldn't think of a single time that he was vulnerable, that that was beneficial for him. And not only was he kind of showing the there's benefits to isolating yourself, but that there's there's no value in being vulnerable. And, you know, as you were bringing it up and sort of the whole title of our podcast is, you know, hey, man, it's okay, It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about your struggles. And I've found so many different ways that I've been able to share, you know, some of the things that I've struggled with. From the very first time that I was open with a therapist at, you know, 12, 13 years old about the things I was struggling with and how, how much just, you know, one conversation about that changed my life and helped me feel heard to the work that I do now where people are emotionally vulnerable, at least for, you know, one hour of their week and what that does for them to be able to open up and, and then get help, right? Yeah, so I was really, I was really like discouraged to kind of hear somebody, you know, who I, I believe his audience is probably primarily a lot of young men who play video games, that being emotionally vulnerable is quite a weakness more than anything. And I'm sure there's some truth to it, you know, that men who show their emotions to women or, you know, to their partners, that, you know, it can then be used against them later or that it shows them to be weak. I can imagine that if you're overly emotional every day and if you're too emotional as well, I think that's something that has to be worked on. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of men who maybe don't know how to express their emotions struggle with as well. Yeah, I agree with that. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish that there was more young men talking to young men about talking about their feelings and, and being okay. You know, one of the things in the video that really got, that really got me and kind of was upsetting was some of the tweets that yeah, were read because mm-hmm. of some, it looked like mostly, mostly female views. Somebody who tweeted about, you know, there is a epidemic of male loneliness. And then there was just this heinous stream of people who were super negative about that. One of the ones that I think was really wrong was they said, what happened to men just kicking the bucket? Now they come here and try to make their loneliness and misery into some social justice issue. Well, yeah, it is. And I want to be clear, men are dying still, even though we're starting to talk about it. The suicide rates in men is much higher than in women. And so I want to be clear when we're talking about men, and this is what the video is talking about as well. They weren't just talking about, you know, cisgender straight men. They were talking about gay men and trans men and anybody who identifies as male. And I mean, it's, I think it's so sad that people feel this way about men. Like, how do we change this view of things? How do we make it so much less toxic? Yeah, I feel there's a real lack of empathy towards any sort of struggles that a man might face because so much of the messaging is, you know, like sort of this down with the patriarchy or, you know, all men are sort of oppressive. The people I work with every day, you know, the successful ones who are influential and do have power, you know, they're in here trying to be better partners, trying to be better business owners, better employers. Younger ones that I work with, they hardly have any power and, you know, aren't oppressing anyone at all. And, you know, really are the opposite of an oppressor, a a patriarchal oppressor. You know, I think, I think there's something to explore about the patriarchy in general. I know that was a big hot topic after the Barbie movie. (laughs) And, you know, I, I had a colleague kind of approach me and say like, well, what about the patriarchy? And, you know, my response back was kind of like, well, what are we to do? You know, do we then just give up our roles as male leaders or do we become better leaders? Do we, you know, can we still inhabit some of those roles, but do it with, you know, vulnerability, emotional intelligence, empathy, um, care, better equality. Um, so I, I think the, the messaging that a lot of young men face is really discouraging. And I, th- I think, um, I think it comes more so from the left, and I, I think there's there's not a lot of empathy there towards especially cis white men, and I think cis white men struggle just as much as anybody else. But I think due to that messaging, it's you know like in a, a lot of those tweets, it was very shaming and blaming um, to these men who are struggling, right? pick yourself up by the bootstraps or, or no, forgive my language. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of it was just beat one out and, and you won't be lonely. Right. Yeah. Cause that'll <laughs> fix everything. Sure. Sure. It, <laughs> and maybe it fixes something for five minutes. It definitely doesn't fix the root of the issues. And no. be- because of that shame and blame that I think comes more from the left, these young men who don't have a lot of good role models, don't have a lot of mentors are then drawn, you know, to, Andrew Tate's and, you know, Jordan Peterson, there was a a clip that she showed, you know, that said something about the nefarious characters out there speaking to young men. And and she included Jordan Peterson 
I've listened to so much of Jordan Peterson myself and never heard a nefarious thing out of his mouth. You know, I think more than, you know, his, his main message for a lot of men is, you know, make your bed or clean your room, start, you know, instead of focusing on all of the societal issues, you know, what can you do at the individual level to create a better life? You know, how to find purpose. He's got two great books, 12 rules for life. They're both named 12 rules for life. And some of the rules are, you know, stand up straight with your shoulders back. I'm brain farting on some of the other rules. <laughs> I, used to, I used to know them almost all by heart, but they're all, you know, they're, they're about treating people well. They're about treating yourself well and how you can overcome some of these struggles. And thinking a lot of this messaging that young men are getting, that I think a lot of it comes from the left is it kind of that you are the problem. And and there's not a lot of instruction on what to do with it. Right. And how are they going to know without talking to somebody? I know one of those, one of the tweets, one of the other tweets I'd like to talk about is one that says, why can't men just solve their own problems? Solve their own problems. Like that's the problem. Why are we putting all the blame on men? Why aren't we all banding together and treating this like we're all one human race instead of these separate entities? Because the problem is, is we're, you know, people are keeping this separate when really they wish they should be issues together that we all work on together instead of, you know, oh, men have to fix their own problems. No, let's fix them together. Let's figure this out together. Like that's got to be the answer. I, I think that's very well said, you know, that, you know, that this is, you know, siloed into two camps that are almost against each other yeah. when, you know, these two camps need each other more than ever. And I think that we both want each other, right? We want the partnership. We want the beautiful relationship, but I think it's, it's definitely harder than ever. You know, and, and it, it goes both ways. I mean, men are like, oh, women are the problem. And women are like, oh, men are the problem. Like, no, the, the problem is the separation. The problem is keeping us apart. There's got to be something about that that has to change. What do you think about patriarchy, that idea? Do you have any thoughts? Well, I mean, as I mean, we've discussed before that I'm a, that I'm a, you know, a God fearing man and I know I believe in God and, and I'm a very faithful man, very spiritual. I think that the idea behind the patriarchy has, has its value. I think that as we grow as a society and grow as a people, I think the definition of that should have changed a little more. And I think some people stick to it a little too strict because we have to allow people to, to control their lives and not try to, you know, run them down and drive them into the ground. We need to be building each other up instead of breaking each other down. And I think the idea of the patriarchy should be changed in a way that it's more inclusive of everybody instead of just being men, because there are some families out there that they don't have a male role model all that they have, you know, their mom is the one raising them. They don't have a dad. How are these guys supposed to figure out, you know, what the patriarchy is? Moms are stepping up to be dads too. And, and, you know, vice versa, dads are stepping up to be moms and they've, you know, they've got the patriarchy and, and maybe they believe it a little bit more or a little bit less. I think that's another whole big issue on, you know, trying to maybe try to fix that, but that's not something that somebody can do by themselves. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I think that is, the heart of this issue. I think that is single-handedly maybe the biggest, the lack of good male role models, the lack of, you know, good father is really, I think, maybe the biggest issue that's causing this. 
I know that I didn't have a ton of great male role models. That same 17-year-old that I asked, what was an alpha male? We later got to talking for an hour and he had never had any sort of male role model. In fact, the conversation that we had, he said, was a once in a lifetime conversation for him to talk about his hopes and dreams and have somebody actually encourage him to go after those things, which is, it just kind of blew my mind that there's so many people out there that don't have somebody to look up to, you know, so you get you know, an Andrew Tate, a Jordan Peterson, you know, or at least, and and I think this was the main point of that whole video was at least on one side, there's people talking to them and acknowledging Mm -hmm. them and acknowledging their issues, you know, versus the, some of those tweets, you know, why don't you just cry about it? Boo-hoo, grow the fuck up. Yeah, it's crazy. There's a group here in Washington state that they're trying to start called the Commission for Boys and Men. And I met with one of the House representatives who said that, you know, they like the bill after we talked about it because it's like this cool commission to like help men and boys with their mental health. And she said one of the biggest drawbacks of of that bill was that the primary proponent of it was a Republican. And she said, and that kind of that kind of immediately turns people off of that bill, regardless of what it is. How do we get things to change then, you know? <laughs> Because that, that's that, always going to yeah. be a big battle. Yeah, that I mean, that's really disappointing. You know, and, and I think that's another thing that's really tearing our society apart is we look at other people as, you know, the, just this other. And depending on, you know, whatever label that we decide to throw on them, or maybe because they have different ideas, whether, you know, somebody's a capitalist or a socialist. Once, you know, the capitalist finds out they're a socialist, then they have nothing else they can offer, you know, to us and, and vice versa, right? You know, we just stop listening and, and we get so siloed into our, our tribes and just getting these echo chambers where we're just confirming all of our own biases, right? And so, yeah, that's actually why that new show that I, I watch is called Breaking Points. And, you know, I think they're at least one of the, one of the very few that are honest kind of about, hey, this is my side, this is their side, but we want to listen to one another and we want to give you, you know, at least a clear picture. And, and the beauty in that is they can then have these honest debates Then we can actually find some real answers to instead of, you know, just pointing our fingers at, at one another and judging and blaming. One of the things I work with clients in general on is sort of getting out of judgment and blame, whether that's to somebody else or to ourselves, and actually looking at, you know, the, the chain of events that are causing certain behaviors, you know, instead of, you know, instead of self-loathing or criticism to somebody else, it's like, well, let's actually look at, you know, why we make these decisions in the first place instead of just judgment around it. Yeah, makes sense. How do we break down those barriers though? I think because what it comes down to the barriers between sides. That's I think the main, the, you know, the big issue is how do we connect the sides and how do we make each other listen to the other words, you know, not the Hatfields versus the McCoys? I that's a great question and, and something that I just thought of is, you know, even in my own community, like you know, of therapists or psychology, there is a lot of therapists out there who won't work with certain populations because of their political leanings. I get not working with populations if they're going to trigger you, but I think 
there's also a closed mindedness and there's also like this almost activist sort of side of the field as well that you know we should be sometimes imparting our beliefs onto clients and you know helping them come to maybe our side and nothing you know it, it, it's something that really frustrates me as you know I when I see somebody I want to you know when when somebody comes in here and we're working together I want to find their you know hopes goals their dreams their values what they really want to accomplish and then help them figure out the best way towards accomplishing those instead of just trying to impart you know what I think is you know valuable and, and important and so I think there is at least never before at least in my lifetime mm-hmm. have I felt we've become such an individualistic society absolutely and, absolutely you know, and and I think maybe that is also at the you know at the heart of a lot of this is you know it's all about me. It's not about you. And, you know, we actually get more joy out of doing things for others than when we do for ourselves. I wish we could get back to more of that. We could be, you know, a more selfless society again. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, instead of breaking each other down, why can't we lift each other up? Because the more support you have, the easier life goes. And if we all started supporting each other instead of trying to find ways to break each other down, We'd be a much happier people. I don't know. Do you, do you have any sense as to why we've become so individualistic? You know, I, I think even you know family can be looked down upon. I know, and I can understand why religion is more looked down upon today than than ever before. You know, but I, but I think you know family and religion, faith. You know, some of these things that you know would bring us together as a community or just less individualistic, we've gotten away from maybe some of these values. And I don't know that it's to our benefit. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest changes in the world was the invention of social media. Now, I'm a person, I enjoy social media, but some people use it for nefarious purposes. And I think we know too much about other people's lives than we did before. You know, people can can speak a lot different behind a screen than they can in person, and they do it. And I think that there's too much toxicity flying around. And I think there's too much access to this toxicity in too many different places. We all know and are involved with far too much for our brains to handle. Whereas like maybe before you didn't talk to your friends about their political standings, but now you know their political standings because they post about it all the time. <laughs> and I think that that, yeah, that yeah, that's the intention of that's it definitely torn a, us apart. A change. Yeah. When you see the statistics of when kind of the iPhone really merged with social media and we had, Mm -hmm. you know, access to social media in our hands, the depression, especially amongst young women plummeted. And, Mm. you know, and I I think comparison is often the thief of joy and, you know, that we're able to then just, you know, go online and see somebody's almost performative, perfect life, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're just seeing the highlights the of our life. Stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Meanwhile, comparing, you know, the, the worst of ourselves, you know, when we're looking at this is, a, is, <laughs> is not good for our mental health. It's really yeah. not. Uh, I agree with that. You know, comparison in general is, is not great for, for ourselves. Boy, when like when it comes to a relationship, I was listening to this divorce attorney the other day, 
and uh, he was saying that Facebook and Instagram are basically are are the perfect machines for creating infidelity. You know, and and for many reasons, you know, just the the easy access to you know people we, we used to know in high school or or everyone you know in our surrounding areas, and then we're you know we're often comparing you know our relationship to this couple's like you know quote unquote perfect relationship that they're showing right, or we're then comparing our wife to you know to the old high school crush or something like that. And so, you know, it, 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 we have so many options that it's uh, that I think we then lose focus on what's like right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, comparison, comparison is a bitch. <laughs> it's hard because we all live different lives. We all make different money. And and you're like, oh, man, that person just got a new car. Or that person just went on vacation. Why can't I go on vacation? Why can't I have a car? And it just it drives you down because people really only share the positive things in their life because that's what they want to share because none of us want to share when the negative things happen. And if we, maybe if we did more of that, we would see, okay, maybe this person's life isn't as perfect as it looks from the outside. So, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of a mess. (laughs) Well, and then when you, when you think of an Andrew Tate, right, then you see Mm -hmm. this guy who's got, you know, Bugattis and women all over and flying in private jets. And that. Yeah, yes. And and he's then telling you, I have the blueprint for this. It's easy to see why, you know, people, you know, jump onto that. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I get it. You know, it's it's appealing. But is that really is that the healthy way? Is that how we is that how we be better? Do we all aspire for that? <laughs> Did you, did you have a lot of good male role models growing up or mentors? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I did. I had two dads because I had my biological father and I had my stepfather. You know, they both taught me different lessons and they both taught me different ways of being. You know, my, my biological father, he was a very emotional person always and was always able to like show his emotions when he was upset or, or mad or angry or, or happy even. Yeah. And in a healthy way? Sometimes not in healthy ways, but he's he's much better now. And then my stepdad, he was always a very, I would definitely consider him a manly man. He was very stoic. He he laughed a lot. He he didn't cry a lot, um, but he never judged us for showing our emotions. Growing up, I was a very emotional person and he was always there for me when I needed him. And it was great. I loved having that. And I loved his support. And I mean, now we've got a great, we've got a great friendship. I love my, my stepdad, you know, he's just, he's just dad also. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I had some, and plus I had my, you know, my cousin, Sean was a good male role model to me who I've talked about. And I think I, I had several good male role models, I believe growing up. So that's good. Yeah. I, I, I think that was, you know, something that really was missing from my life that I, that then led me to, you know, not making some of the best decisions at times. I had a father who, you know, was the maybe epitome of a macho man and just exuded that machismo. I mean, he was <laughs> like great six word. four. He was, you know, huge chest, lots of anger. He was a, you know, general contractor. So, you know, he could build anything with his hands. But I think the first time he told me he loved me was like when I was like 17 or 18. And, you know, that was probably the first time I got a hug as well. 
Oh, wow. And, and that being said, you know, that made me want to do everything differently, you know? And, you know, I saw, you know, if, if that's what a man is, boy, I want to, I want to, I want to do things a little different. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so I went, you know, it's sort of in the complete opposite direction and, um, you know, wanted to have as many friends as I could. And, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, got into nightlife and, you know, and, and now, you know, I, I talk about feelings all day, you know, which is completely different from, from the man, (laughs) you know, that raised me. And so, yeah, so I didn't have, you know, so I had him, I guess, as, you know, my, my main father figure or main, uh, male in my life. you know, I had an uncle who was a psychologist and, and he was great at listening and, you know, and and the inspiration, you know, for the reason I do what I do today, but outside of that, you know, there weren't, yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of good people, I think, to look up to and, you know, and, and really guide me some. What would you go back and tell your, tell, you know, your maybe let's go with 15 year old self. What would you tell yourself to help you along in your journey? Like if, you know, you had 10 words to say to him or whatever. That's a good question. I went to an all boys Catholic school, right? Okay. And so again, most of the teachers, most of the leaders there, a lot of them were priests. And, and so that was also something I wasn't, um, you know, wanting to go after. And, and so therefore I didn't, you know, I I did my best to not listen to them as well. I don't know. I guess, I guess some, it might be, you know, to not throw the baby out with the bathwater and that there are still kind of some lessons to be learned you know, maybe from some of these people we don't totally agree with, you know, from my dad, I wish, I wish I would, uh, you know, watched his handyman skills or his carpentry skills better, uh, you know, so, so that I didn't have to learn everything, you know, on my own now, but at the same time, you know, he was a hard guy to be around at times and, and you often got yelled at or you often got mm-hmm. really criticized. And so, um, I don't know. That's a, I don't, I don't know what I would yeah, I know. have, it's a, it's what a big I could question. have sought out. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe more therapists. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd probably tell myself therapy is okay. It's, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but just lean into it. And maybe I would have, you know, healed sooner. Maybe not. Maybe I needed to be through the lessons that I've been through. No. I think if that version of me could see this version of me, I think I might annoy myself because I'd be an annoying adult to myself then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I was just thinking about is the idea of a man, you know, when my thinking about my father and mm-hmm. that idea of, you know, machismo and, and being macho and tough love was probably the messaging of that day, right? That, you know, it, it was almost, you know, uh, be a toxic male. <laughs> yeah. You know, be, you know, be mean, be hard, you know, be incredibly stoic. Uh, you know, now it's, it's almost swung, you know, the complete opposite direction. And, and I think that's, you know, that's at, again, maybe at the heart of this issue is, is how do men and, you know, where is that balance of, you know, being able to talk about your emotions, your struggles, actually reaching out for help, while also, you know, being a, um, you know, leader of your family, leader in your community, leader at your job. 
So being strong, you know, both physically and mentally. So it's a, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to do there. And that takes a lot of work to, to get good at all of those different things. Um, and if we don't have, you know, great role models, you know, showing us what that really looks like, it's an even more difficult hill to climb. For sure. I agree with that. If we can build each other up, be a positive role model for people, open communication, maybe eventually it'll catch on and these things will change. Well, hopefully we're doing our part here. Yeah. Or at least that's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah. Right. That's the idea. That's, Hey man, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to add to that topic. I think we've heard all of my opinions of everything, my thoughts on everything. Uh, how about you, Ryan? You know, I'm going down my, I'm looking at my notes here and, and I think, I think we, uh, I think we, yeah, I, th- I, I would encourage people to watch the video uh, again. Uh, her name is shoe on head. And, uh, and it really is a great video depicting kind of how politically men's issues are being looked at today. Uh, we'll put and, a link to it on some, our website. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. And let us know what you think. Let us know what you think you are struggling with. Oh, you know what? The, the last thing I'll touch on mm-hmm. The most heartbreaking thing around this video was the comment section on the video. And I, I did you see? I don't know if you looked into. I actually didn't go into the comment section. No, there were some. There were quite a few. You know where I'm paraphrasing here. I just want you know one. What I think the 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 most popular one was. Mm -hmm. I just want to find somebody that cares about me. That's not my mom. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, it was just it was things like that that like it's hard. I just wish I just wish somebody would you know recognize me, acknowledge me. Yeah, so, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's that. Um, like I said, we need to build each other up instead of break each other down. Yep, yep. Get rid of the separations between people. Yeah, listen to one another. Have some empathy. Care. Yeah. Give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what side they are politically. You can care about somebody. Yeah, um, for sure. It's yeah. I, I've got, it's yeah. I've got friends of all kinds of backgrounds and varieties and and you know mm-hmm. beliefs. Mm-hmm. I used to see two clients who were friends, and I'd often see them back to back. You know, like <laughs> okay. one at four, one at five. And uh, you know, during and I saw them kind of during the last election, and even though I mean they were they were great friends, you know they couldn't talk about their politics, and so I'd often, so they talked to me about their politics often, and, and it was it was it was actually a lot of fun because you know I got to see these two people who bonded on so many different things, but then were so far apart in you know their beliefs uh politically mm-hmm. and they both made sense you know I, and yet i understood you know why this guy you know identified you know with his side and i understood why this guy identified with their side and you know I, that's that's where i am kind of politically is i can understand why people you know believe you know, this is the way society should be ran or built or gone about. And I can also understand, you know, why people believe this, you know, is, is the way, you know, and we all have the best intentions. I feel like, you know, when we're coming, I I hope, I don't know about the actual politicians having the best intentions for us, but (laughs) that's a, that's another podcast episode. Yeah. I think something people forget is it's okay to have an opinion. 
and you don't necessarily have to agree with everyone's opinion. Mm -hmm. Or just listen to it, you know, and and acknowledge that they're probably coming from, uh, you know, an honest, authentic place. We all have different understandings of things, uh, different beliefs and things, and that's okay. That's what makes us people, individual people by being together like that. Yeah. And I know we're going along. This, this has been the last thing I say when I, I've been working with a lot of couples lately and one of the things, you know, I try to get them to help better understand one another is I, I give this example that I'm colorblind and mm-hmm. I'm literally, I'm, I'm colorblind. And so I actually see the world very differently from most people, right? Like what I'm looking at is, and that is my truth. You cannot tell me this thing is, I don't know, red when it, it, to me it's green, you know, but I'll, you know, I'll believe you because I know I'm, I'm the one who's got the, the different cones and rods. And so it's just those little cones and rods, you know, these tiny little things. I think there's somewhere in the back of the head that, make me see the world drastically different. Mm. Now, if you take that and, you know, add hormones, add upbringing, add religion, add parents, anatomy, it's a miracle, you know, that like almost two people can even get along. And so knowing that we all have such different points of views, you know, starting there, you know, is is a good way to, trying to, to better understand one another. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Well, I think we've reached the end of this episode, guys. Um, if you have anything else to add, please email us, reach out to us on social media. We're at on all social media at Hey Man, It's Okay. Our website, heymanitsokay.com. We have all of our episodes, links to different charities you can donate to, including helping support this podcast. But uh, I guess until next time from me, Sky, it's okay to not be okay. And I'm looking forward to talking with you on the next episode. Love you guys. Thanks. Peace.